Kia ora tātou, uh, ko Carl Burrows tēnei, mihia tu kia koutou. Uh, my name is Carl Burrows, again this is Haka Works, um, we are on our podcast number two, Haka in the Matrix. Uh, why have we called it Haka in the Matrix? Because Haka is what we do, uh, and it's something we love, and it represents Māori cultural knowledge, and in the Matrix, of course, we know uh, the movie uh, The Matrix, when Nemo, the protagonist or the hero, navigates his way through different worlds, different versions of reality and hallucination. Um, and in doing so, he finds his own life purpose. I think we've been blessed as Māori to be given these tools, these taonga, that have come from our ancestors to help us navigate and find our own life purpose, but also the purpose of our communities. And this podcast really is about how, to what extent we should share uh, those uh, that knowledge with others. So I've got a special guest with me here today. Our manuhiri is uh, Mr. Tupotama Paki. Um, I'm going to put him, on, put him on a minute. But just before we do, I'm just going to um, introduce a little something different today. We're going to do a mihi mihi to acknowledge you all, to acknowledge the kaupapa and to acknowledge those ancestors because, of course, it's them that have um, resulted in us being here today. And then we'll do a short karakia, which just gets us in the right frame of mind as we go along. So, uh, uh, no uh, Urangi ko papa ka puto korongo ta ni mahatu ka tangoro ko tumatawe nga homie e tiki tiki ko ta uri mate. Tuko na tarangi kirungo ko papa kirarong. Ka puta ko tira tanga te kita oya ko te amara mati hai mauri ora. Ka huri ki a koe tu poutama nate na koe. Ka o te na koe te rangatira mo i tuku i te karanga ki te nei ka mihia tuki a koe. No, we hono terangi ki te whenua uh, i tēnei ahi poe konei au te aroa and ana hei teata i reira i ngarangi. Uh, koe, and hello to everybody that's uh, watching this live. Um, pretty awesome catching up with um, with Carl. Um, I roto i ngā hotanga o tēnei wā. Kia ora rā. Yes, so I'm in, in England and um, where about you at the moment? I'm in Taupo in Aotearoa, New Zealand, central of the island. Beautiful place, place I like to call home. And it was um, the place where you were brought up? It is. Um, now, the, the tribal um, mana of this area, mana whenua, is Ngāti Tū Wharetoa. And uh, this is where I was brought up. Very fortunate to grow up um, in the beauty of, of this area. Kapai. So I know, um, you know, you've been over here in, in the UK, it was a while back now, and you shared a little bit about your upbringing. I just yeah. thought maybe you could share that to your um, to our audience today. Kapai. Ko tongariro te maunga, ko taupo nui atia te moana, ko te aroa te waka, ko tūwhare toa, ko waihi te papakainga, ko tapeka te whare nui, ko hinana te whare kai, ko te heuhau te tangata, ko tūpautama paki tōku ingoa. For those of you who are not aware of a process of ours of the Māori people, uh, we have a pepeha, and my pepeha speaks about uh, my, where I come from. And uh, you start from the biggest mana, uh, and that's normally your mountain. And our mountain here is Tongariro. The lake here is Tauponuiatia. I come from the canoe of Tearoa. Uh, Travelled over from from Hawaii to Tearoa. Uh, the tribal uh, people of Ngati Tuwharetoa. That's who I belong to. 
um, and also the sub-tribe of Ngāti Tirumakina, uh, and Te Hehe is the, the main chief or the ariki of, of our area. Um, growing up here, I'm one of nine kids who was all homeschooled together, uh, not just with my immediate family, but with my first cousins as well. And when I say homeschooled, we, were, we weren't brought up in um, the curriculum of New Zealand. Uh, we made up our own curriculum, which was the Māori world, the Māori, and we basically connected to Rangi and Papa, Earth um, and Skyfire, Father, <laughs> and we... Um, we learnt the, the knowledge of our ancestors and that was in the 80s and the 90s here in Aotearoa, which was not around that much. So for, for my family to, to to take this pathway and to uh, move away from your mainstream way of thinking uh, at the time was very brave, a lot of people would say. Uh, so that just kind of gives you a, a good idea of um, the upbringing that I had. And uh, Te Reo Māori was my first language. Um, kapahaka was something that we did every day. And karakia, everything Te Reo Māori, that, that's what we did day in, day out. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I remember you telling me the story, and I'm, of course, well aware of your family back at home, and, and there were leaders, particularly back at this time, when things were um, so much more difficult in terms of being Māori. But just wondering how has that put you instead um, in terms of the Pākehā world, because um, you've also moved out of, you know, the New Zealand into the into the UK and beyond, um, and just wondering how the values that you've obtained from Māori culture um, have helped you in your own life moving forward. Yeah, now, um, the, to answer this question, basically, uh, we were really surprised, actually, when we, we stepped outside of Aotearoa, you know, um, my wife and I decided to to leave our um, work and to travel the world. Um, before leaving Aotearoa, you know, we decided, I decided that I would um, pursue a career pathway within um, comms and within media. And being a fluent speaker of the Reo Māori, and there weren't many who were very, very fluent at the time, um, to take positions within Māori broadcasting. So it definitely helped in that sense. Uh, moving into the Māori broadcasting sector. So I've managed to, to work within um, Māori television and, and mainstream platforms as well. Uh, I've also worked in radio. Uh, Te Reo Māori had, and the Māori world that I grew up in, helped us to help me to uh, connect with those spaces. But I think the test was when we decided to leave Aotearoa and to travel overseas. I was very surprised that um, the Almighty provided for us overseas, and that came in the form of uh, performing, um, doing kapahaka overseas, um, teaching workshops, teaching Te Reo Māori. Uh, I wasn't expecting to, to do any of that work, even uh, report reported back uh, from overseas to Aotearoa for uh, various platforms. So. For myself, I was quite surprised, and, and I know when I spoke to my parents and to my grandparents who didn't ever think this would ever happen, uh, that the Dao Māori would provide for us financially, spiritually, and physically um, overseas. It was it was mind-blowing for all of us. Mm, yeah. But it, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want to t tell us a couple of your experiences in, in travel and how people received um, Māori culture from your experience? 
absolutely. Um, growing up, you know, I was homeschooled, and, and part of um, being homeschooled was that we actually had to make up our own funds. So we travelled the country performing to schools and communities here in Aotearoa. Uh, part of that was also performing to tourists um, at a place called Wairake Terraces. So that was part of our schooling and upbringing um, as a teenager. So at a young age, I had a good idea of how fascinated um, people were with, with the Māori culture. Uh, and through Wairake Terraces, as a young teen, we managed to travel overseas quite a bit before we made our way um, to the UK. And as a young man, I really didn't understand what I was seeing. I was only 13, 14, 15, 16 at the time and didn't realise how um, how people perceived us. I thought that was normal. I thought that's how everybody perceives all cultures. Uh, there was a lot of people who were deeply fascinated with what we do, how we move, how we think, how we breathe, how we connect, how we are um, present. Um, and I didn't think that was normal. That, I, that's not sorry, let me rephrase that. I thought that was normal. Yeah. And then we moved overseas and uh, lived in the UK and traveled through Europe with Haka Works with Ngati Ramana and doing workshops. Um, I understood that wasn't normal. And I think for me, what I noticed the most was um, people loved our energy, loved how connected we are to one another, how we live in the moment, and how we are present. And I personally believe these are things that Haka teaches you. And knowing it from such a young age, uh, I didn't know any difference. I thought mm. that was, you know, and I thought every culture had a way of um, connecting to those things. And for me, the tool to do that was Haka, um, yeah. amongst other things. But Haka was the most, the quickest way of doing it and right. elevated you a lot quicker than other ways of um, being present. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, gives you a bit of an idea of, of no thanks. I mean, I think they're starting to really touch on some of the um, some of the things we want to explore here because um, I think back to the first time we got asked to do a haka workshop, and as we did a haka performance for IBM, and after our performance, the manager came up to us and said, "Hey, you know, we love watching you do haka, but what we really want is to feel what you feel when you haka together." Mm. And from that, we we thought, how can we um, share this with other people? And well, firstly, what does it mean? And I think it means exactly what you said. It's about how we're so present in the moment um, and we're so connected to each other and we're so, so connected to purpose. Um, so it's, you know, how can you share those things with other people? And the, and what also what I also realised is that they're universal. They're not just um, something that Māori um, do or have, can, I mean, what we have is a really special way to do it. But everybody wants to experience that, you know, being present in the moment and being connected with our, with our communities and to be connected to purpose. So um, is there anything that sort of stands out um, as um, an experience for you in terms of performing or doing haka? Because I know you've, um, with with your group, you've also been to Italy. Um, you've been with Manaya to Morocco. Um, Fran I can't remember now. It's a long time ago. France, Iraq. Um, yeah, is there anything, any experience that sort of stood out for you? Oh, I've had a lot of experiences that really stand out. I think um, going to Istanbul with um, with Hakka Works was definitely a standout for me. I'm um, going to all the different mosques over there. But one in particular that really stood out, and I'm, I'm sure you remember this one too, Kyle, um, was going over to um, Iraq. Um, 
I know. I, I, I think back to that trip, and, and I remember receiving uh, a message from Huckleworks asking if I was interested in going over. And I, I think at the time, I knew it was a risk going over to Iraq. It was um, just before everything kind of exploded over there in terms of the lay of the land now. And at the time, I was thinking, no, it's not safe enough going over there. But then I also thought, well, when are you ever going to go to Iraq? Yeah. So I said yes, travelled over to Iraq, and I think for me that was the biggest eye-opener of um, culture shock, really, because over there things are so different. You know, you're the visitor, so you yeah. have to adapt. But what I really found fascinating was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but how they adapted to haka. I think, you know, a lot of cultures, some pick up haka really well, and some take a little bit longer to connect to what it is. But over there in Iraq, they um, we did maybe four or five workshops with different groups and all of them connected to haka really really well so much so that you wouldn't have known that they've just learned how to do haka because they have such a raw energy um and a really expressive way of being they connect to haka really well so that was one of the things that really stood out for me and of course um there was a bombing that happened while we were there and we had to run downstairs in our pupu grab our passports, run downstairs into a bunker and like, you know, um, wait for everything to to blow over before we were taken to the to the airport and flown out of Iraq. Um, so most memorable trip for two different reasons. Mm. Yeah. I just, uh, I remember with that bomb, it was, um, you know, the place where we were staying, Urubil, hadn't been bombed for about seven years and that was the first time it happened um, for a long time. So, um and then what we didn't realize, that was the start of ISIS coming back into the area. So now I just want to go back to the other point because I agree, there's different cultures um, respond to what we do in different ways. And I mean, these are all going to be generalizations, but you know, I've, like there are parts of Europe where people are very reserved in Germany and Switzerland, perhaps. Um, the French, they love watching, but they don't really like to participate. Um, the English, I mean, English give anything a go, really. I mean, Americans are really um, generous and just want to get up and, um, you know, get into it. Um, But in terms of the deeper aspects of haka, you know, when you're talking about ihi and wihi, I just found Iraq, the people, you know, their skin is so thin in terms of getting to that part of who we are. For a lot of other cultures, um, they're quite. It's quite hard for us to dig through those layers. But in Iraq, it's just like the spark just happened like this. It was incredible. So I'll, I'll never forget that um, trip for that reason as well. Um, something that always stays within me. That's right. Uh, not only was it easy for them to connect to the fire that comes through Hakka, but it was also quite hard to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember right at the end because we had this. Uh, there was a competitive element, and one particular group won. It wasn't mine. It's yours. <laughs> Um, and the next minute they were doing an Iraqi dance, which is incredible, and then they grabbed you and put you on top of um, their shoulders. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. and again, I wasn't as uh, big as I am now, and I was only wearing pupu. So for me, there was yeah. I mean, you just had to go with it because there was no <laughs> but I can't imagine that happening now and how I would react. I, yeah. I don't think I would react differently, but it was just so overwhelming. Yeah. And, go with it yeah but again quite hard to um because they were so excited and um, they were vibrating at a certain level the hirangaranga that we call it it was quite hard for them to come down from that but um 
just shows you the power of, of haka. Yeah. Um, just a really interesting point um, that you said in terms of there are many ways to get into the state of being present. Haka is another way, you know, you're sort of expected to be um, in the moment um, and really generous of spirit, I suppose. Generous of heart is what I like to think. There's a couple of levels we can look at it. And one is, um, you know, there's an entertainment aspect for people. Um, but it's only through teaching haka that we're able to get to these deeper parts of haka. You know, and, and how do you feel about teaching haka to other people who aren't Māori? I think it's a great opportunity um, for, for people to, to connect. Um, there's been a lot of debate, you know, with people learning haka um, who, of, who are not of Māori whakapapa. Um, my own opinion is that um, it's great for them to learn. I think it's great for everybody to learn. You know, we have a taonga, uh, a gift, um, and the more people who know about it, the more people who can um, perform it in the correct way with the correct intent uh, means that this particular taonga lives on. But I still believe that um, whoever is teaching the haka needs to teach uh, the correct intent that comes with the haka. Um, so each haka is different. E each haka has a different uh, message, different um, energy, different uh, papa. And uh, for those who are performing the haka, they need to understand what they're talking about and how to deliver it with the, with the correct intent. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I do like the idea of a lot of people doing the haka, but it's also being informed of why they are doing the haka and what it's all about and uh, delivering it properly. There's a whole lot of people who just go online and just learn a haka, um, but it, that's not quite the best way to do it. Um, you know, you do have to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about, who can teach you all of the nuances of what haka is and what it represents. And I think for myself, coming into a, a different space in my life where I'm now contributing to a kapa haka that belongs to our tribe, um, and teaching uh, the generation that's coming through now, um, it's really important that uh, how and what you pass on to the coming generations or to the future kaihaka is correct because at the end of the day, they're the, the ones that, that's going to pass it on to the next generation. So if I get it wrong, they're going to get it wrong and you're going to have a whole uh, papa of incorrect things yeah. being so um, those are the things that mokuake for myself, uh, we need to be careful and yeah. be aware um, and yeah. deliberate about how we teach and who we teach and, and the information that comes with it. It all needs to be correct. It needs to come from the right place as well. Yeah. So the same principles that you have for teaching haka at home, um, you apply to teaching haka to people who aren't Maori. Correct. It doesn't matter. I think, who. Yeah. I think um, what's really important is that the people who teach haka the way they teach it has a real impact on how it's received and then shared um, beyond because i think the difficulty i think is that um you know you teach people and it's not so much with the intent that they go away and they're seasoned haka performers you know it's a different kaupapa it's really so that they can discover parts of themselves that they perhaps haven't been aware of or have been hidden um, and it's because of the how our society works right now in terms of, um, you know, we, in the Western broader culture I'm talking about, we suppress those parts of ourselves which can just really bring us to life. Um, and I suppose that's just the history of Christianity and science that have been overlaid 
um, on top of who we really are. Because I think, but deep inside, we all have a connection to this part of ourselves um, that is in our DNA. And it's just through haka that we're able to bring this out. Um, so that's what's really important to me is that people acknowledge that that part of them exists and it's quite powerful. Um, at the same time, I don't really expect them to run around and start doing haka afterwards. You know, so I think the only way to stop that is really for, for people to understand. I mean, you can't say don't do this, but you can. I mean, you can, but I don't think it's that effective. But what you can do is you can infuse what you teach with the value of what it is or what it means to us. You know, how it is something precious that has been passed down through our ancestors and it needs to be treated with respect. Again, you don't use those words, but that's what you want. You want people to respect what has been given to them so that they... Um, you know, know it's for a particular purpose and can't be misused. Mm, absolutely. You know, I remember here too, I, I have to um, also say, you know, it's quite hard for those who don't come from a Māori culture or have grown up with haka to give it a go because for those from the outside watching in, you know, haka looks really awkward, um, it looks really um, aggressive, vulgar to some. So, you know, as soon as they decide, okay, I'm going to learn more about this um, culture and haka and where it comes from, and then they give it a go. You know, we have to give kudos to those who give it a go because, yeah. you know, it is quite hard and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's, it is really difficult, you know. It's um, it's saying you know, you're brought up in a culture where you wear this mask, your ego, you know, which um, stops people getting into this part of who we are. And what we do is, is kai haka and trainers, um, and facilitators, we say, we want you to put that mask aside, dig into yourself, find who you really are, that part of yourself that remains hidden, and share that with others, and that's it's not easy. What about um, your view about, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't Māori who are teaching haka. I mean, not a lot, to be honest, um, and it is kind of upsetting for some. Um, do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? And also, I think, there are Māori that teach haka as well um, to non-Māori, and that, um, I mean, some of the same issues apply, you know. They may not necessarily have the knowledge or the experience to be able to share it in a way that we're talking about now. Any thoughts mm. on that and how we can regulate ourselves? That is a hard question. That is the, the million-dollar question. It's um, Everything's become so global now, and access is so much easier with um, internet uh, and with people all traveling, but we'll see what happens after COVID. Things might be in lockdown for a little bit longer globally. Um, but my whakaaro around um, non-Māori teaching haka, um, I know a lot of non-Māori who have come through different wānanga, different places of learning, um, and they have the real Māori, they have the language, they have the understanding of the culture and where it all comes from in haka as well. Uh, so personally, for me, those who are teaching haka, who have been through the journey and understands the, the value, the intent, the correct intent, and uh, what it represents and what it means. Kei um, I think they, you know, they are licensed um, to, that's a terrible word, but that's the word that came into my head, um, to teach haka, uh, because they know how to look after it and to teach it correctly to the to the people who are learning to the doida. Uh, I think for those who, like the sound and the look and the energy of haka, but who have never learnt it through a um, a space of learning a wānanga, I think that's where the challenges would be because um, they would uh, te possibly teach um, 
Encouragement or ideas. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I stand at the moment. So I completely support those who are non-Māori to teach haka if they have come through uh, the correct learning or kura wānana uh, for haka. Good point. Yeah, I think of my um kotaku hoarangatire harita Māori, um, but you know kataya e te Māori, and she's um, just saying my. My um, partner, Mei Li, is um, of Māori, sorry, Pākehā and Chinese descent, um, but she speaks Māori, um, she does kapahaka, but I think what she does is um, she's got an amazing way of communicating with other people. What else do you think besides haka is, is from our culture could be value to people outside um, our own? I personally think pepeha is something that's really important because... Um, now, for those of you who don't know what pepeha is, um, there was this is how we introduce ourselves. We um, don't introduce ourselves, but we introduce uh, the mountains that um, we came from, the waterways that fed us, um, the tribal village, the tribal area that um, sustained us through our upbringing, all of those type of things. I think pepeha is a really good um, waka uh, to connect because what it does, it reminds us of what's more important than yourself. You're in, in the scheme of things, you're the last. Of, of everything within how you introduce yourself, you know, in a lot of, uh, in a lot of other cultures, they would say, um, hi, my name is Tupotama, and that's it. Yeah. Plus, it's not that simple. You have to talk about everything else and then yourself. Um, yeah. So people not only have a good idea where you come from, uh, but can also connect with you in a different level um, because, you know, Tongariro is a quite a, it's a very beautiful big mountain and who knows, a lot of people who have travelled through Aotearoa have been there, so as soon as they hear that that's the mountains that I come from, they can connect to me in a different way um, and understand the context of, of where I come from. Uh, so, Pepeha, for me, mm. is a really awesome uh, waka or tool. Uh, for for non Maori to to connect to, um, because it just encourages a different type of thinking, it encourages um, a thinking that's a lot bigger than the individual, yeah. and it also connects you in a different way, not just to yourself and to the people who are around you, but to Rangi and Papa, um, to the sky and, and the lands that we yeah. all walk on. <clears throat> um, so that's that's something. Mm. That I think that's yeah, yeah, Kapai, totally agree, and. Um, Often with our extended workshops, we get people to share uh, pipiha. And it's, you know, it's different. You know, sometimes, I mean, they don't have tongariro, you know, in the backyard um, like you do or taranaki. Um, it's, so we've got to get them to think about what is your connection to place. Um, and they might not have a whare but they might have a church or they might have somewhere where they go um, with their granddaughter to, um, you know, on a regular basis to go fishing or somewhere where they feel, hey, I'm back home now, you know, I'm, I'm connected to who I, to the land because of this place. Uh, and often, you know, especially in a place like Europe, when you ask people to share about their ancestors, some of the stories are quite harrowing in terms of um, them, their ancestors escaping from war uh, in Europe and coming to the UK <clears throat> or wherever that they might be. So um, for, for them to share um, their pepeha like this, it's often quite an emotional experience for them. And they're so protected by saying, <clears throat> my name is and my job is, or I went to this university, you know. It's a way to protect them and, and to share their external um, skills with others. Um, but for them to share this deeper stuff is really quite, um, 
you know, it's a personal journey for them. And it, but what I love, like you said, reiterating what you said, the connection back to the to the universe, to um, Rangi and Papa, to the earth, and it just helps change people's perspective, which I think needs to be changed if we're going to like, if we're going to exist as a gener, you know, for a couple more generations, taking into account climate change. I think that's really important. Something that we definitely can share. Well, is there anything you'd like to add at this point right now? You want to tell us what you're doing um, at, back at home and how that's all going? Yeah, so um, recently moved home. And when I say recently, maybe about 10, mon- 10 months ago, moved back here to um, to, to Wharetoa, to Taupo. Uh, we're currently uh, producing Māori content for those who speak the real Māori. Um, and we're, we're currently producing a series called Takiura, and it looks at the impacts of... Um, all the different things that's come into our Aotearoa on all of our spiritual gifts. So rongoa Māori, um, matakite, um, karakia, all of these special things that we hold close to our hearts. Um, we're exploring all the different things that's made a huge impact on, on all of those gifts of Tonga. Um, wow. Hopefully everybody's safe in, during this time, COVID, and we were just talking about... Um, how strange it is uh, being in lockdown and having a whole lot of time to ourselves. And when I definitely know after the COVID is finished, hopefully it will finish at some stage, it's definitely going to leave the impact on us. And it's all about internalizing and having an internal wānanga with yourselves um, on how we move forward from this. Because I know a whole lot of things will be impacted from this. Haka will be impacted. Um, tikanga, um, languages, how we connect to one another. So I think we... we uh, talking talking about haka reminds us of how we need to stay present even in these most challenging times. Good point. Um, when I was in San Francisco in February, um, this is when everything started getting cancelled, and I know you were there just prior to me. Um, and I just think it's exciting, you know, all the stuff you're doing at home um, has an appeal to the wider world, and that. Um, you know, you're able to go to San Francisco and share that with other people um, is really exciting. So, um, it's, and it's great for me to have you. I'm so close to places like that. Well, it's not close, it's a long way. Um, <laughs> and I'm only a call away if you need more hands, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, well, tēnā koe. Um, ngā mahi atu ki a koe mō tō kōrero o tēnei pō, tēnei ata ki ingarangi nei. Um, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, on this podcast. Um, really appreciated talking to you, and um, you know, looking forward to doing um, lots of sharing together um, in the future. Uh, tēnā koe. Tēnā koe, tā, kia ora.